Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He started working on the ark 20 years before he even had a family. That's faith. Like, you don't, even number one, you don't set out to build a gigantic boat when you probably have never seen a boat before, unless you have faith in God. And you certainly don't start constructing rooms for your kids when you don't have kids. But that was by faith. It was also by faith that his kids would have to walk into that ark on their own. But that's faith. Who or what are you faithful to? Maybe it's a spouse or a sports team. Today, Pastor James calls us to be faithful to God like Noah. Before Noah knew what was happening and what he was building, he faithfully complied with God's commands. Through his story, you'll learn what being faithful to God looks like. Following God's commands can sometimes be a scary thing. God wants you to trust and obey Him so that He can continue to grow your faith and make you more like Him. Trust Him today. He won't disappoint you. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. As Pastor James begins his message, Heroes of the Faith, Noah. chapter 11. We're just going to camp out in verse 7, and it's, it's just all about Noah. And Noah is like faith in action. It's like putting footsteps to his faith, which is what you guys are doing. Like, you are living out your faith in action. You're cruising around the country right now, and you're sharing the gospel with people. You're actually putting into practice. And I know it can look like different things and all that, but I mean, you guys are on the front lines. And so kind of, I mean, that's why it said this is I don't think it's any coincidence at all because I don't really believe in coincidences, but this is where we plan to be on this day here, this moment in time, and you guys happen to show up, and, uh, and you guys are crazy. Um, you guys are nuts. Uh, you just are. Like, nobody does what you're doing. I hope you know that. I hope you're also encouraged by that because the reason, the motivation for what you guys do is, yes, you love the Lord Jesus. Yes, there's a great commission. But you also know the other side of that is that he is coming back and he's bringing justice with him. He's bringing judgment with him. And I think this would resonate with you guys. This is very apropos to where you guys are at because Noah was a preacher of righteousness, um, is what Peter said. And he was communicating in the midst of a generation that really just didn't want anything to do with God. And he looked like the crazy guy. He was the crazy guy. But uh, he faithfully served the Lord. So let's read this verse, and then I'm gonna, I'll pray again, and we'll get right into this. But verse 7, it says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat. I'm reading from New Living Translation. A large boat, a big boat, to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Right? Uh, so this whole chapter is about faith. And let's, let's just pray once more, and we'll get right into this really cool story. Lord Jesus, thank you again for a reason and a hope for our lives, and that's you, Jesus. And we thank you so much for that. Lord, I thank you for empowering us to be your witnesses. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling us. 
and giving us the right words at the right time, giving us the confidence that we need at times to approach people. We thank you, Lord, so much that it's you and it's not us. Lord, we're just willing vessels, and uh, we want to be used by you. And so I pray for each and every team member, Lord, that you would um, speak to their hearts directly, but that you would also just encourage them, and that, Lord, that you just remind them everything that they're doing is for you. It's all for you, and it'll last. And the seeds that they're sowing, they'll take root in hearts. And like we've already heard from one story, that they'll resonate within somebody's life, and that person will give their, give their life over to you, Jesus. So it's all worth it. Even if it's for the one hotel worker, Lord, it's all worth it. And so we thank you, Lord. Thank you for calling us to be the crazy ones in the midst of this upside-down world that we live in, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Noah, um, you guys are probably somewhat familiar with Noah. If you grew up in church, this is definitely one of those Bible stories you read about or somebody taught you. I didn't really grow up in church, but I knew about Noah because everybody knows Noah, right? Like I knew Noah and I knew Jonah, the guy that got swallowed by a fish. Like that's all I knew right until I went to Bible college. Like literally, I was 19 years old. Those are the only Bible stories I knew. I knew about Jesus. I heard about him. But I knew Noah in the big boat and all the animals, and then I knew of Jonah got swallowed by a well. That's, that was the extent of my, my understanding. But what Hebrews does for us in chapter 11, it lets us know that he was a man of faith. He was a man of faith, and he lived in a, a very uh, perverse generation. In fact, you can jump over to Genesis chapter 5. We'll give you a little Bible exercise here from Hebrews back over to Genesis. I said 5. Well, yeah, go to 5. We kind of get his genealogy here a little bit, but there, in the listing of every individual from Genesis chapter 5, which is kind of a cool thing, we talked about Enoch and how he, you know, he walked with God and was no more. He lived a life of faith as well, but he was a, just another one of those ones where like nobody else is walking with God. Like He's the only one that's mentioned that walked with God, and God said, you're, just, you're not going to die. You're going to come hang out with me. And that's what happened to his life. Noah is another one in the midst of all that. Not that these people didn't maybe have a relationship with the Lord, but it's never mentioned that they walked with God. Enoch, he walked with God. Noah, it says that he walked with God. He had this radical relationship with God. And so much so that he could hear from God. And in the midst of everything that was going on, it says the end of chapter five, verse 32, it says, after Noah was 500 years old, yikes, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And so he started having these boys. But what it doesn't tell you is that before he even had a family, 20 years prior to having a family, he was commissioned by God. He started working on the ark 20 years before he even had a family. That's faith. Like, you don't, even number one, you don't set out to build a gigantic boat when you probably have never seen a boat before, unless you have faith in God. And you certainly don't start constructing rooms for your kids when you don't have kids. But that was by faith. It was also by faith that his kids would have to walk into that ark on their own. But that's faith. He had faith in God. That like is a little good, a little good nugget for some of you guys who are praying about, you know, future families and all that good stuff. Hey, why don't you start praying for your kids now? They don't even exist. Exactly. So when they do show up, you've already been interceding on behalf of them. When they show up, pray now. Be like Noah. You're already like Noah in one sense. You're preachers of righteousness, right? Like you're going around the country, you're telling people about Jesus, and they think you're nuts, I'm sure. But you're doing crazy things, but that's what walking with God is like. You're out there doing crazy things for him. 
one of those little side note kind of things is, man, start praying for your family. Start praying for your family. If you're not married yet, hey, that's, praise God, that's in his timing, right? But pray for that future spouse, whoever they may be. Pray for those kids, whoever they may be, How, whatever that may look like. That's what Noah did. But when he was, you know, 480 years old, he was commissioned by God to build a boat. And he started having kids at 500, okay? Yeah, this is just wild, wild stuff. Lived a lot longer back then. I, I just, I thank the Lord that I live when I live now because I don't, want to, I don't want to be 500 years old. I don't, if I hit 80, I'm like, that's good, Lord. I tell my wife all the time, once I hit 80 or so, I'm just eating Oreos all the time. I might smoke cigars. I don't know, because I just don't care anymore. Um, I'm going to heaven. Verse 1 of chapter 6, here's like the setting of the world he lived in. See if this doesn't, well, it's not going to sound like, this isn't going to sound like our world right now, because it's kind of weird. Um, verse 1, it says, then the people begin to multiply on the earth. Yeah, we see that. Seven something billion people on this planet. And daughters were born to them. The sons of God, who are they? Don't know. Saw the beautiful women, those are ladies, uh, and took any that they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. And in the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. So he cuts down the lifespan. But what you'll see in a second is just the wickedness, the depravity of man just is intensifying like crazy. It's crazy. Sons of God are those angels. There's a lot. I'm not here to talk about that tonight. Uh, so you just go study somebody else. Um, that's not my, we're talking about Noah, okay? I'm not talking about weird angels or demons and all that good stuff. In those days, verse 4, it says, sometime after, giant Nephilites, who are those guys? I don't know. Uh, lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, you get it, they gave birth to children who became heroes and famous warriors of ancient times, right? Verse 5, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything that they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Like God knows the hearts and the minds of mankind. And when God himself is surveying the population that existed at this point in time, which could have been a ton of people, every thought, every intention was just wicked. It was evil. And it was growing progressively. And that's kind of the, the phrasing there. It's like, it wasn't like plateauing. It continued to, it was growing, it was intensifying and all that. And in the midst of the evil and wickedness, there was one bright star, one bright light in the midst of all of that. And his name was Noah. His name means rest. I remember seeing somebody illustrate this like this. If you can, I, I love art, I love painting and all that good stuff. So if you could think of a canvas and you just cover that canvas in just black, just black paint. And on one little point, you just leave, you know, whether it be just white, but a pinpoint of white, your eyes are going to notice that one because of the abstract. Like it's so, it's white and it's black. And you can see, even if it's a small point, you're going to see that. You're going to notice that. In the midst of, you know, just total darkness, you will see, you'll notice the light. That's Noah. That's who he was when he lived on this planet. That's what you and I are called to do as well. Jesus from the gospel said that. You're the salt. You're light. It doesn't matter how dark the world's getting. It's going to continue to get darker. The point is, is that, well, the darker it gets, the brighter you should shine, right? Like, that's the whole point of it. And you will be noticed. Noah was noticed. And more importantly than being noticed by man, he was noticed by God. 
It says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness. You know, it was just growing progressively more and more evil. Verse 6, so the Lord was sorry that he had made them and put them on earth. It broke his heart. That's why I'm reading from the New Living Translation, because I like the way it kind of encapsulates some of the phraseology here, okay? It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. That's amazing, right? John Corson used to say this all the time, and I'm kind of a junior high at heart, junior higher at heart, and this is why it stuck with me. He says, Pay attention to the butts of the Bible, right? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. That resonates within my soul. Some junior higher at heart, I guess, still. Uh, but so every time I see something like this, it, it immediately draws my attention to it. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of wickedness, and all that stuff, Noah. Noah. Noah, shone, he, he shined bright. He shined bright. You and I, we, we can present the gospel. We can't change people's hearts. You can't save anybody. You cannot save anybody. The Holy Spirit does that work. But you're you're meant to exist here right now for however long he has you on this planet to reflect the light of the world. That's why you're here, to be that lone bright spot on a pitch black canvas. That's why he has you here. Noah did it. And praise God we have examples of these guys. We know that Noah was not a perfect man, we know that he had, he sinned. He was a sinner. He's born just like you and I. He's born a sinner. He had his issues. But, but man, he, he also stepped out in faith and he did crazy things for the Lord because he walked with God. He had a relationship with God. It was a daily thing. Verse 9 of chapter 6 of Genesis, it says, this account of Noah and his family, here's the account of him. Noah was a righteous man the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. That's, that's incredible. Let's just assume there were 700,000 people living on the planet at that time. There's probably more than that, technically. But let's just say, let's go with uh, just you know, that conservative kind of estimate there. He's the only one out of all the people existing on the planet at that time. He was the only one. And that's what the word says. He was the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. He walked in close fellowship with God. I can tell you what that did not look like for Noah, and this might help you out. What that did not look like for him was he did not have a checklist next to his Bible so he could check off all the days where he read from his Bible. Okay? That's not what that's talking about. Okay? That's good if you need that. If you need that accountability, that's perfect. But when the checklist becomes the thing, you need to throw the checklist away because that's not the relationship. That's actually a detractor from the relationship. What he had was just a natural relationship with the living God where he walked with him and he made himself available to hear from God. Lord, what do you have for me today? I want you to build a boat. What's a boat? I'll tell you. I'll tell you later, okay? It's going to rain. What's rain? Don't worry about it. Just build a boat, okay? Hey, make it for your family. I don't have a family. You're going to have a family. Don't worry about it. Just build the boat, right? He calls him to do this crazy, bold thing, but he's one that the Lord, he's the one the Lord had. 
What's kind of cool about this as well, and, and you guys may appreciate this later on, especially if you go on to serve within ministry, roles within ministry, you run with the remnant, okay? And, and I learned that. I actually uh, heard that from somebody when I was at a, I was a youth pastor for several years, and I was at a conference, and, and I heard somebody talking about that, of like, you know, if we get so focused on the numbers and who's here, who's not here, and why aren't they showing up anymore and all that stuff, and the speaker said, no, you run with the remnant. You run with who you have. You run with who the Lord has placed within your life. And God himself is like, I got Noah. That's all I need. I got Noah. That's all I need. And so there's God. There's Noah. Mrs. Noah, she's a part of the story, but we don't know anything about her other than she had some babies with Noah. That's, that's the extent of, of what we know about her. I'm sure she was an amazing woman because her husband is crazy. And he's like, I got to build a boat. And you know, Mrs. Noah's like, what's a boat? And he's like, I don't know. Here's the plans. But she was with him, I'm sure, in all of it. But he was the only blameless one living on the earth at that time. He walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? Uh, it says, God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood or gopher wood, yours may say, Right? And waterproof it, or seal it, or preserve it, or maybe another word for that is kind of redeem it, so to speak. Cover this thing with tar, inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long. That's a football field and a half long. That's huge. Up until like 1801, this was the largest boat made, right? This is crazy. 75 feet wide, that's um, seven parking spaces wide. So you can go outside afterwards and walk that off and be like, yeah, it's pretty wide. It's a big boat. And 45 feet tall or high. Leave an 18-inch window or opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Why? Because animals, that's why. I mean, they stink. That's the grace of God within the the boat of of Noah. It's like, I'm going to, yeah, make a window. Uh, You'll need it. All the way around the boat, put the door on the inside and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Verse 17, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confer my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you, your wife, your sons and their wives, bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you and keep them alive during the flood, pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. That's kind of a cool thing. That's a miracle in and of itself. God had the animals come to Noah. He didn't have to go, you know, lasso them. They just came to him and they, they knew. Animals know God is number one. Birds know God will provide for them. That's, that's what Jesus said in the gospels. Birds don't stress. Like they just never stress. They never worry about anything because God provides for them. But he also talks to these animals and is like, get to the boat. And animals are like, cool, let's go. Like, what's a boat? Nobody knows. Nobody knows at all in the story. But Noah was obedient and the animals were obedient, right? He says, and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah, verse 22, did everything exactly as God had commanded him. No objections. At least none that are recorded. 
No, there's no like interaction between Moses, Moses, Noah, we'll get to Moses later. Um, he's not yet. Uh, Noah and God, where Noah's like, okay, God, here's what I need. I need clarification. What's rain? What's boat? Animals? Like, I'm not like, I'm not a zoologist, right? Like, that's not me. There's just submission. Perfect submission. Complete obedience. What God desires most? Obedience. Just do what he says. You can have questions. He doesn't like, it's not that he doesn't want you to ask him any questions. I think God welcomes our questions. But before the questions has to come the obedience. Yes, Lord, I will do that. Can you explain to me what that means? Like why? You know, God gave Noah the plans and all that good stuff for the boat. And from what we can gather from this story, and it's going to say it again in chapter 7, Noah did everything that the Lord had commanded him. He just did it. He just did it. He took a step of faith, and he did it. He was a righteous man. He walked closely with God. And when God spoke and when God commanded, Noah just did it. He did it. Even if it didn't make sense, he just did it. And again, I think that's kind of where you guys are at. I mean, somehow the Lord brought you to New Mexico, right? And in different ways, in different maybe interactions with other people who had already been there or are presently there. But you heard the Lord say, go to New Mexico. And then you're going to go to New Mexico. Then you're going to go to Uganda. And then, well, what's next, Lord? Don't worry about what's next. Worry about today. Not like worry about it, but just like focus in on today. Because this is the day that you have. This is the day that he's made. So you're doing this. You should be encouraged by that. You're stepping out there. You're doing this. And sometimes we, we're, you know, our, our worst enemies, we're our own critics, and we feel like, I'm not doing it. What am I doing for the Lord? Well, you're here. You're on the journey. So thank you for being obedient. Thank you for hearing him say, go. And you're doing that. And let that motivate you for the rest of your life. And there's going to be times that come within your life. I'm sure Noah, like, I mean, he finished the boat when he was 600 years old. It took him 120 years to build this thing. I'm sure halfway through that, he's like, what am I doing? Because everybody who's walking by in Noah's neighborhood, his suburban neighborhood or whatever, is like, what are you doing? Building a boat. What's a boat? Don't ask. I don't know. It's going to rain. What's rain? I don't know. God told me to. Who's God. You can't forget, that's the culture he lived in. God told me to do this. Who's God? What God? What God? As you go out and share the gospel with people, what God are you representing? What God are you talking about? Because we don't, I know people say America's a Christian nation. It's not really a Christian nation, guys. It may have been founded that way, but that's not who we are anymore as a nation. People need to hear about, they need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear about this Jesus who spoke directly to your heart and said, okay, it's time to go. It's time to go. People want to hear that. People are desperate for hope. The reason why we have some of the issues we have within our world is because people are desperately searching out hope and relevancy and reason for their existence. You have it.
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is going through the heroes of the faith in this series, and I have a question for you. Who is your hero? I asked my son that question, and he said that Esther is his hero because what he struggles with most is fear, and she overcame the fear of death in order to save her people. That's what this series is all about. We look back into the stories of the people who have gone before us in order to see what God is able to do with people who are just like us. They all have weaknesses and failures, but God was able to work through each one of them to accomplish His purposes in the world. And God is able to use you too. You can be weak, you can be fearful, you can be young. It doesn't matter. God is working in the world and He works primarily through His broken and weak people. Thanks for being here today. We love sharing God's story with you. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. We're a group of people of all ages coming together to magnify Jesus and find hope and new life in Him. We'd love to have you come and join us for a Sunday morning service or a Thursday evening. You can find out all about our church on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. And if the Spirit leads you, find that donation page and join us in the great work of spreading the light of the gospel in this dark world around us. Well, that's all that we have for today, but we'll be back next time right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.